are back for another episode here. Last week, we covered 10 rule changes we want to see on the field that will improve the AFL. We've got 13 changes today of off-field things that need to be improved. How are you going tonight, Tom? Yeah, good, mate. Really excited after last week, Sep. I think we covered a lot of good material, and and I'm looking forward to this one because, uh, as I mentioned, I think the the off-field was a little easier to come up with and maybe even a little easier to go outside the box with. So I'm looking forward to uh, getting into it tonight. My word, I reckon there's more off-field stuff. I reckon that's where the game's got a lot more time to catch up on. Um, Let's let's not waste any time. Let's jump straight into it. Uh, Post-match press conferences. Um, at the moment, we don't get much at all. What do you reckon they should do with that? Yeah, so I've just looking. I know we get we get the coaches, and you know that we get a little bit of theatre if they're a little bit grumpy. But you know, here and there, we we get a captain turn up, and and that's good. But it, it's not a consistent thing. I'm thinking of a complete overhaul. This is with a full media hat on, um, given we're now part of said media. Um, I'm looking at all post-match presses after games to include a coach, captain, and then there's always a media group on the day, just a player they want to talk to as well. So, um, you know, really give that content better for the clubs. It's, you know, they're they're people talking and, and not you know, the media trying to swell things up or get something out of a coach. They've got the captain as well. They've got a player who, you know, might have been the player, changed the game, kicked the goal after the siren, did something stupid even, you know, whatever they want. Get get those in and, and do it for um for both teams and, and really just, just spread the content. I think, you know, it's it's really nice after a game to get a good wrap up and it's it's better to hear from the people involved in the game than have people watching it comment so I want to hear more from the on-field um, I don't think it's too much asked for the players I think they sort of if they're caught in the media anyway um, in the rooms doing interviews they, they might as well do it as a presser um, captain's a leader it's just part of the job and yeah I think the AFL industry just benefits from doing that what do you reckon I love the idea love the thought process um, you know my thoughts on player interviews, they are generally bland and they have been <laughs> media trained to the nth degree. So if players can look if the players can show some personality and give it some life, you can bring more money into the game because you can promote the player rather than just player from X club. But um, you know, unless I get to run a club, that probably will never happen <laughs> in our lifetime. Um, but yeah, I look the more they can open up the more access the fans have, the bit more the game can grow. It's as simple as that. Now, we've just gotten through the trade period for players. Um, there have obviously been a few pick swap trades since then in the lead up to the draft next week. I think they really need to tighten up these contracts that players are given because at the moment they're barely worth the paper they're printed on. But Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> tighten them up to the point where in the contract, the players can be traded, but the contract is traded with the players and the players do not have the ability to veto the trade. So, Wilson Kilda, I'm North Melbourne. Yep, we want Jaron Geary. We like blokes that run around the back line and can't kick. Um, <laughs> we'll, give you, we'll give you a second round pick and you're like, look, we weren't going to have him as captain this year. We want him out. Um, tell us something off the field. Like, I'm making all this up, obviously. We want to trade him. Let's just do it. And the swap goes through. And we've now got Jaron Geary at whatever he's on. Now, 
when he comes to our club, we can renegotiate the contract if he wants to. So if he's got two years at 500 and we go, right, we actually want to sign you on for three years and we'll pay you over the three years, we'll pay you 1.2, so an average of 400, but a bit less than the last. He can say yes to that because he gets the extra year or he can say no and we're stuck with the contract. Like, I think that's how it should yeah. be done rather than this whole I want to be traded to X club and I've, only got, I've got two years left on my deal, but like, stuff it. Like, the dog should have sent Dunkley to bloody Gold Coast and got the best deal there and said, well, you want to go? Yeah, we'll, we'll go. That's why I like this one because it, it puts the power back in the club's hands, not the players' hands, which is what we've seen it be at the moment. So, you know, clubs are just copying the players' whims and I want to go home or I want to go to this club that's contending and they're really scrambling because, you know, it's just not it's just not in their plans for that kind of thing to happen. So I think, yeah, taking the contract with you is amazing because, you know, that other club's got to consider that as well, so they can't. It, I mean, does it, you know, does it stop those trade steals? I guess because you can't get someone as much of a bargain as they potentially could have been, given that they'll have to take the contract too. Well, but in those cases, why would the player want to give up the contract where they're making a lot of dollars? If the player still wants to give up the contract yeah. to get the deal done, they can. Um, but I think yes, you need to make sure whatever the player signed. That still needs to be honoured. If player go, if the club comes to the player and the player says, "Yep, happy to do it," want the extra year or something, then they can. But uh, as far as as far as the players being able to say, "No, don't trade me," well, it's not really a trade period, is it? Like not a real one, in my well, humble a, opinion. <laughs> exchange. They're just uh, moving from one to another rather than trading them. Absolutely. The grassroots footy, what do we need to do? Yeah, so just just one for the future of the game. Um, obviously, that is where the sport can be its healthiest if it's got a strong grassroots. So um, you, the next generation, obviously, you've got to be considering that. But I, I'm thinking, yeah, we, it can be very Victoria biased, this, but I think the grassroots money needs to be spread all over the country and it's really somewhere where the AFL commits a lot of dollars you know, we, we've seen a few sort of, yeah, they've tried a few things, AFLX, et cetera, and, you know, a few dollars thrown at grand final entertainment. But you'd rather see that, you know, going to New South Wales, Queensland, WA, wherever it is, and going to pinch a kid that might have played another sport and make him play AFL and then get, you know, that next wave and he turns 20 and plays our game and then, you know, it, it you know, grows from the game. I mean, you and I have both come from... from uh, local footy in the in the Vaffer and you know when that's up and about and the club's flying there's nothing better to be involved in than a footy club than that and I think you know you get worried as well reading what's happening in country footy and uh, it, you just don't want to see the game slip out of those parts because it is the lifeblood of a weekend out that way as well um, yeah as like I said New South Wales and Queensland massive opportunity there to grow the game and really cut into that turf a lot of people in that neck of the woods if you're talking demographics I just think footy's healthy if the grassroots are healthy and I don't think the AFL they do put money into it but I think they really need to prioritise it so um, don't take saying, it for granted are you saying more stuff for the kids like more Auskick programs or, or better stuff for kids in that age demographic yeah so sorry yeah I have been broad so I'm talking yeah so I'm talking yeah investment into the Auskick program uh, investment into the footy as they step out of the Auskick and then investments in um, 
you know, country and, and the non-AFL, uh, sorry, regional football, I guess he would call it. Yeah, yeah. Which uh, is, to, that to me is grassroots. Yeah, absolutely. They're better off doing that than having another committee for reason X, Y, Z that probably doesn't need to be addressed. Um, look, you can probably never invest enough money in grassroots footy um, players, coaches, just getting people more involved, and it's good for the overall community across Australia. Uh, now, um, Yeah, that's actually, sorry to just jump back in there, but um, I'm obviously talking about playing. I'd like to see it as well for, for coaching as well, just to bring through, um, you know, the next level of coach and just industry-wide. I mean, yeah, obviously grassroots, and we want people playing the sport, but, you know, it's it, it would be great. Job, it's a it is, job. and you've done it and done it well, but... Um, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it is a thankless job. So if any more support can be given there, I mean, that, that keeps, you know, the football cycle going past your playing days and, and further. And that, that's sort of, we're talking, you know, 30, 40 plus year investments. And that's what, that'd be fantastic for the game, you know. So I think, yeah, coaching's got to be part of that grassroots focus. Absolutely. Now, I want to talk about the next gen academies that have, Floated their way in, and they actually look like they're floating slowly out of the way. Um, so, used to have draft zones. So, players, depending on where they lived through Victoria, because this was VFL times, they would go to certain clubs or certain clubs that have first right of refusal. Um, we've obviously moved away from that and gone to the national draft. But um, in order for teams like GWS and Sydney and Gold Coast to retain some players, they've brought in these next gen academies and, and also. I read this, I think, on one of the AFL websites. It, it's to allow greater diversity across lists. So if you start developing, it's all, a lot of Indigenous talent is what it's aimed for, but clubs can start developing it. And then if they're part of a certain zone, they then have access to them in the draft, like the dogs will with um, pick one this year. That needs to go because if the players are that good, they're going to get in the system anyway the extra help yeah. given that should just go back to grassroots footy, not the clubs investing. Um, so I believe after this year, they're actually going to change it. So if a player's taken the first or the second round of the national draft, there's no, you can't bid on them. There's no bidding. They're that good. That's they have to go that, where yeah. they are. So at least the first two rounds are less compromised. Um, you still have free agency compensation with the herbs and spices that uh, the colonel knows. Um, but I, I think that the whole idea of the Next Gen Academy for the clubs running it is silly. It should be the AFL running them. Um, and they wanted the clubs to do like a work experience or exposure type thing. That's that's fine, but not to compromise our draft. Yeah, look, yeah, that that's a fair point there. I mean, I feel... Um, and, and I'm taking a leaf out of your book and, and potting the Vicks here, but I feel like, you Good. know, the spirit of those academies was to help Queensland, New South Wales, pinch kids that might have played rugby or soccer and, you know, they've shown talent and grow them from like a young age, 12, 13, real young, grow them through your program and take them away from a sport that they might, uh, you know, they might have played elsewhere and then get them on your list. But... Victorian clubs have seen that and they're going, geez, they're actually getting some good fruit here. We want a slice. And we've almost, yeah, reverted back to the old 80s, 90, well, not 90s, sorry, 80s uh, zones um, that we had back then. Um, you know, we've cut up Victoria and, and every club's getting a go so that they can just have, I guess, access to talent 
in some way, but it's just not really the same as it doesn't function the same way as it does in the northern states. So it's really just the VIX just having it too, having your cake and having it too. So it the spirit of it's gone. It's it's just become basically yeah hoarding top talent because you can you can claim it for what for whatever reason. Um, I, I do like that slight change for next year, so that'll clean it up a bit. But look, if you, you you've gone half there, you just go whole. Yeah, it, it's going to go soon. Just just do it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know, if you <laughs> you're Sydney and uh, you know, I mean, it, it does. It's sort of the Swans. A lot of this uh, off-field and you know, salary cap and Kohler and the academies, they just ruffle the feathers of the other teams, don't they? <laughs> because they're given these concessions and. Then they're just taken away, but you know it could be. You know, I would want to see those teams up there take that talent away from other sports, particularly. Yeah, like I said, if you if you're growing it from age 12, 13, you're really growing the talent from the beginning. I would dare say. So, um, I think they have claims to be able to say they can claim it, but Victoria teams not so much. So, uh, I'm with you. It's it's a half measure. Let's see them go full. Definitely, definitely. Which I think they'll get to the coming years they just don't they can't do it overnight effectively yeah absolutely so i sat back in the trade period and watched uh old crouchy come over to the saints and saw a pick in the second round early second round fly over to the crows now you're not a huge fan of that because that is the compensation that they were given for his, for his deal and his age and for he for him leaving that club. So is this something you want to see continued, Seb? Was, uh, was Crouch a restricted free agent or a free agent? Uh, good question. I think he was restricted because uh, Adelaide could have matched the bid. When they're restricted, the money. When they're restricted, I think there should be a compensation pick given. Um, but how they can become restricted and full free agents, I think, should probably change. But in terms of the compensation pick, it should be based on the length of the deal and the salary amount, not the age of the player. So once you throw the age in, that's where the AFL just use it to be completely ambiguous. But yeah, if it's a four-year deal worth north of 500000 that's worth X. Um, and I also think that pick should be from the club signing the player, not just another pick thrown into the draft as a compromise of it. Um, yeah, so you're saying, yeah, for example, this Crouch deal, we should have forked out the second rounder. Is that what you're saying? So yeah. it sounds like a trade. Yeah, a little bit, but less. You want to sign him to whatever money you want, so the trade goes through. Not the trade, but you give up a, a compensation pick. Look, as I'm talking through it, it's sounding a lot more complex than... <laughs> what I'd probably hoped. Where so, any if a free agent leaves, there should be no compensation. Like they're a free agent, they're able to sign anywhere. They're uncontracted. You shouldn't get something for that. Yeah, I agree with that. That's this fair. ties back so, in. But... If you can trade someone with a contract, so you know Joe Danaher is going to leave. He's got one year on his deal. Then you can trade him for something. Not let him be a free agent and then get the combo pick. Um, when they're restricted. The restriction gives you the right to match. Um, look, I'd actually be okay with no compo pick now I think about it. No compo pick when they're restricted. If you don't want to match and let them walk and get the, the salary off the books, go right ahead. So dare I say then you just don't have restricted. That doesn't sound like they're restricted. Uh, well, so... Well, 
where do you where do you so where do you I'm interested so where do you have the line or, or what is the line between restricted and unrestricted for you? Well, this actually leads into the next point, which is minimum contract links for draft picks. But um, you could say after four years of service, they're restricted. After that contract, they'd be a complete free agent. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, um, what's that total of four years? In, so you're saying I, I'm saying any pick in the national draft, instead of having this contract negotiation, they sign automatically, effectively a four year deal. But it's a two year deal with a team option for the third and the fourth year. So the team can say, "Yep, we want to keep you for the third. We want to keep you for the fourth. Um, if a team can't convince a player to stay after the four years, I would say that's on the club. Yeah. Like, that's a fit though. Four years, you know, they could be, yeah. you know, it's not 70, a, 80 games in. Yeah. It's not after one in. or two years where they really haven't got a taste of it. Um, you could then have after the four years, they go restricted free agency, in which case they can sign with another club, but you still have the rights to match it. Um, if it's matched, then they have to stay or you work out a trade. And then I think after that contract, whatever it is, you're a free agent. None of this user service stuff. Um, I think they need to make it... I think if you want to be able to trade players contracted, you need to also make it more fluid for players to sign where they want to sign. Yeah, that's... Yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree with you on that one. What What do you think? Like, how does it work? You, you draft someone pick one. Currently, you've got to agree to terms. Yeah, well, look, I, I really like the the two years with the two option because, yeah, like you said, the the four years is is enough time. Um, dare I say? I mean, would a, a restricted agent now is six years, I think. I think so. Or, yeah. yeah, so you, you're getting an opportunity if you want to go earlier. I don't mind seeing that brought in. Um, yeah, anything really above six, I think, yeah, should be free reign. I fully agree as well. Yeah, with with the compo, I think it, it's a mess. It's adding draft picks. It's you know, keep. It's a tricky one. I'm trying to think of. Um, I'm viewing it in light of a few of the deals that have gone through. But um, part of me wants to say, you know, if you want to keep the play, you'll do all you can. But sometimes there isn't fully something you can do to make him stay, in and he's just got to walk. So that's probably the AFL's thinking behind the compo in that they don't want potentially a bottom club to lose an absolute gun and get nothing. But um, yeah, it, look, maybe maybe there is compo. Oh, then you're adding ladder. I'm I'm with you here, Seb. It's easy to make this one complicated. So I'm trying to keep it as sim- as simple as it is. I mean, yeah, if you have it that way, I guess it's it's just bad luck. I'm just worried. Yeah, I, I, I equalization. We've talked about this before, but the rich getting richer. You you don't want to see just players, you know, after the four years and then a little bit of restricted and then just just walking then. Um, I mean, they have got a taste, so it would be devastating as well if they've got a taste and they still can't sign them. I'm guessing you would argue, you know, can you not set up the culture so that he doesn't want to leave? Um, that that That's the question I guess clubs will be asking. Look, I don't know if i got an answer for this one. I just think um, I do like the two years with a further two. I think... Um, Locking your particularly maybe first or second rounders. I don't. You don't want to see too many more tomboy deals where they walk after a year happening. No, no. Um, we say the rich get richer. 
Can you give me an example? Uh, well, look, you can argue this one, but, you know, for example, D's down the bottom, Frawley, their premier key backman at the time, uh, argue about what you will about what you think about him, but he, he walked into the best team in the comp, the Hawks, and played in a flag the next year. So the D's were worse off in your scenario because, you know, they got looked after because they got picked to compo, which we probably all agree was overs, but say that didn't happen and they, he's walked for absolutely nothing. They've got no pick. They've got nothing out of it. And then the Hawks have just added, you know, a high caliber key backman. That's just one of those examples, I think. Yeah. And the Demons are a great example because they're a club that couldn't get in-house right. And that's on there. Yeah. Like he didn't, he didn't necessarily want to leave Melbourne because he, he hated playing with his teammates or anything like that. The club was a basket case, and he had a chance to go to Hawthorne. That's going to happen whether you have free agency or not. The players are going to always try and get to the clubs that are on top in one sense, but Melbourne needed to use that as an opportunity to go, right, we should have some key defenders waiting in the wings. We should have someone ready to come and take his spot, and we've got a chance to give a game to another kid, and we don't have to pay him seven hundred grand. We can go and look at signing someone else. That's, yeah, take the yeah, take like, that on. We, we've got a salary cap. Hawthorne can't pay him nothing. Hawthorne have to pay him something. They can talk him into coming for three hundred thousand less than what he's worth because they can offer a flag. So be it. That's the advantage of being in that spot. Would you say Geelong are an example of a club that got richer? Well, yeah, I think they were. They're adding Jeremy Cameron, I think it was. A, yeah, that's another good example because I think you know the cats are flying. Made a granny added top three forward in the league to their team giants he's a foundation player real fabric member of their club and he's walked out would just say you know have the giants done anything wrong from a list management point of view or player management point of view i guess you know we are talking a lot of these what we would deem in this scenario free agents so yeah i mean there's there's two things here geelong are going to be in a world of hurt in four or five years they won't have access to any great talent because they're giving up these draft picks and GWS have no culture because they're a test tube baby. <laughs> and what? how old are they? Eight years? Yeah, 2012, so eight years. Yeah, yeah eight, that's nine right. years. Like, that's that's why Cameron left. Like, he didn't want to play there. That's fair enough. He should be allowed to leave. Like so you're fine with players, and, and Tom Lynch was similar, you know, doing their time, doing their six to eight years at a club, and then, nah, I've had enough of this. I want to win a flag and jump and ship. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, sometimes so, it doesn't work out. Trelaw jumped ship to Collingwood. That didn't go so well for him. Yeah, no, that yeah, true. I, I, I am looking at it from, I guess, a loyalist point of view, which is not the best because, you know, you, I don't think you can have loyalty in the modern game. Fans get very attached, as, as we've seen, and it, as we talked about, I think, um, you know, a good bit of business. But it, it was good for Jeremy looking after him, I guess. Um, yeah, I, I just get concerned. I don't like seeing a bottom team lose a gun, and I wouldn't want them to lose a gun for nothing. So, so I don't. If it... you're if you're a bottom team, right? Let's. I'll use my own club as a great example, because we are obviously a current bottom team. We drafted. Well, I'll, I'll let you pick, Tom. We've got we've got uh, Davies Uniac, we've got Taron Thomas, we've got Jai Sikand. Yeah. We'll go LDU. He, he was, right, LDU. I, I liked him coming in. He's been on our list three years. He's going to play again this year. He'll probably play every game if he's healthy. If he wants to walk after that, 
right? If he wants to go, where, where do you think he'd want to go? Geelong, uh, yeah, Richmond, destination St Kilda. Thanks. All man. right. Let's say he wants to go to the Saints. Great. Let's let's use this as an example. What can you pay him? You're paying Hanbury 800. You're paying Hill 900. Um, yeah, so I wouldn't say anything north of, I don't know, say four or 500. All right. Now, out the back, we've got a war chest at North Melbourne that's currently probably growing to about 4.6 million based on the amounts we've offered players over the last <laughs> six years. We've got a war chest. We can clearly offer him a hell of a lot more money and say, mate, stick with us. Three-year deal, 700000 Saints can offer you four hundred. Like, it's madness. It's madness to go. Um, and if we still can't convince him then, then that's that's on our club. Like, I'd be confident we could retain him, but if we can't do it after that, then what chance do we have? Yeah, true. Well, but look, that could realistically happen in that scenario because you can sell the flag, you can sell the opportunity, or you could sell, you know, where in the window... I just think in our game, it, it's incredible. Like we've seen it with Melbourne, we've seen it with Carlton, we're sort of we're seeing it with the Suns. Brisbane got out of it, but you know you can see teams really get caught in that bottom six, maybe bottom four, bottom every out. Every club, really... every club you've mentioned has terrible had a period of terrible off field management, and they brought it all on themselves. Well, true, but you know, is people it want to go to Brisbane team... now? Joe Danaher just picked Brisbane. Correct, but yeah, they got a few. No, no, but yeah, that's what I'm. I'm trying to point out is that they they actually built it there in the bottom, and they got players in. I, I'm worried about the teams at the top pinching teams talent from the bottom. Just you know, yeah, Brisbane bounced back, but geez, they had an era down there, didn't they? They weren't that first final series last year since '09. That that's ten years. So teams really go to the bottom and really stay at the bottom. So I'm just, that's why I'm like the rich get richer and worried about the poor, because if you get caught in that cycle, it's not just two or three years down there. It can be a decade. Oh, it's really only been a decade for poorly run clubs, hasn't it? Yeah, y- yes and no. Oh, well, I guess, you know, you can't be down there and, and not be poorly run. I like, guess you can't be well run and be flying down the bottom, but... um. Yeah, look, it, it's not going to help a, a poorly run team though to lose talent. So I'm just saying, should there be compo, or are you, you no, you're just going no. blunt? You're like, if you, forget. Look, if you're poorly if you've run, stuffed it, you've stuffed it. You don't get anything for being poorly run. Oh, I, that's why I hated the the priority picks. That a lot of clubs made a fortune out of it. Um, some clubs did really well. Some clubs just used them and didn't go so well. Um, but I mean, you can look at 2008. Um, 2010. Like Hawthorne, I'm saying Hawthorne and Collingwood use those priority picks at massive advantage. Oh yeah, that was huge. Too, I agree yeah, that that yeah. was too much of a reward. But you know, I, I, I guess it's coming out that I'm pro equalisation because I like every team getting their chance. So maybe it's not the right thing. I get where you're coming from though. It's not right to reward mediocrity. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. So. So how do you, yeah, maybe this this could be a, a chat for another day, but how do you find that balance between, yeah, rewarding mediocrity, but also making sure every team, you know, well, has the chance see, to get to where they need to get? I think you, I think what gets painted is an incorrect picture of the landscape of kids go to the bottom clubs and just want to leave. Like, Brisbane had a bad period. 
I can't think of any other clubs that have had young talent that have just walked out, like a whole lot of it. Like Frawley left Melbourne, Frawley run club. They still kept a lot of their young talent that they've drafted. Like Petrarca's still happy there. Oliver's happy there. Um, I can't think of too many gun Melbourne players that walked out outside of Frawley. He's the one example everyone brings up because he flicked off to Hawthorne and won three, three, no, won one. I think flag. he only played in one flag. Twenty fifteen. Yeah. Um, like, I think we we've always got those great examples, but I, I just the players are now drafted and the team's holding their rights without them having a contract with the team for so long. And I just don't understand. Like, if they're contracted, it makes sense. But if they're not contracted, why can't they go and play here? Because Club X holds the rights. Well, Club X is a basket case, and then they won't trade them on. Like, um, Look, listeners, I've probably rambled on. Please tell me what you think of that idea of, of um, four-year deals for all your first and second round picks, two years plus two-year team options. Tom, the merchandise. This needs an overall. Yeah, so just just livening up out of, out of contracts. I'm looking at off-field. I'm looking at AFL merchandise. So it's an interesting one because it's sort of split into two lots. You've got your club merchandise, which is your apparel sponsor, and they produce it year on year. And then you've also got, I guess, your AFL house. You might have seen them in a shopping centre or, or uh, outside Marvel um, that also sells the gear. I'm I'm just looking for some. This this is one of my outside the box ones, but I, I was just looking at how you can improve on that. I think um, I feel our AFL merchandise is really basically a club jumper, maybe a club polo hat and a scarf. We really haven't developed it more than that in a big way. So I'm I'm looking, you know, and we don't have to copy them. I'm just saying, consider you look at Premier League and basketball, NFL. They've really developed their merchandise, uh, you know, their urban range, their streetwear, their things that you could, you know, wear just around, you know, down the street, you could wear out, you know, not just things that, you know, you could, you just wear on game day. I'm thinking the AFL just with their merchandise needs to just think outside the box and consider, yeah, just moving away from, yeah, your team colours and you only wear it on game day, just, just for brand, for club, for exposure, um, just, it's just another, I guess, merchandise. You say that, and I guess you know the the dollars ring. So that that's that's just what I'm thinking. If it's high quality enough and it's done right, I think it's going to just benefit the sport to to overhaul that. Um, uh, even at a at a low level, you know, I I am envious of the US where you've got you know your your quarterbacks and they they really sell a lot of t-shirt wear with a with a number of a player that that teams uh, that you know fans of that team follow so is it something we can invest in you know branding and players and player branding um i'm expanding my argument as i go here i just think there's there's real scope to just really overhaul it and just really move away from just the game day wear and just really move it into a more all-encompassing uh range of gear i'm not sure what you think about that seb oh look there's definitely room to expand i think we are very traditionalist with scarf beanie jumper and that tends to be it for most, certainly most kids growing up. Um, although, if you've been through those AFL stores, they have slapped a logo on almost every product under the sun. Yeah, look, I'll give them that. But, you know, <laughs> yeah, 
but it, you know, what what kind of stuff are we talking here? We're talking like toasters and thongs and teddy bears and you know a jacket here or there and what else have they got in there? Glassware, you know. I'm talking about you know you you could walk down the street wearing an Oakland well sorry Oakland Raiders a Las Vegas Raiders hat and you know you could wear that to a pub you could wear that out you don't have to just wear that to a game you know that that's exposure that you can't buy I just don't think there's an AFL equivalent that's been done well. It's a good point. Very good point. Yeah. Do you have the uh, Saints toaster? I don't, but I, I, I should invest. The club could uh, do with an extra toaster in the old uh, cash register there. No, I don't. I think the last Saints item I bought was a new uh, new era hat. So they're on the way, you know, like steering into the new era. So it is it is starting, but uh, not, not widespread and not a full campaign. So I'd like to, like to see that. Absolutely. Uh, boutique stadiums, do they need to make a comeback? Yeah, so if uh, if anyone's aware of uh, Ross Oakley's era uh, of AFL, uh, he was the CEO in the 90s, obviously overstood the uh, mergers. But one of the big things he plugged was uh, he called it ground rationalisation, which was that all the clubs should just play out of the G and Waverley at the time, now Marvel. Um, it really removed uh, the suburban aspect as we you know became a more professional comp. But And look, the reasons were financial, which I can see, but I think as we've become more professional, there, there's real scope to to move back to those, you know, the boutique stadiums for clubs that you know can do it. I am fully jealous of uh, Geelong setup down there in that they can have their own stadium and they can seat forty. That that's a fantastic example. But I'm looking smaller than that. I'm looking at Witten Oval for the Dogs, uh, Moorabbin for the Saints, um, Arden Street could potentially be a candidate for it as well. You know, these, these are three teams that could do with it. And you have 15,000, 20,000 in a small small boutique stadium play against your interstate teams there. The joint's full, the joint's rocking, the joint's all going for one team. It's all money going back to the club. It's a better deal than what you're getting at Etihad. And then maybe you just play your, your games against your Victorian rivals at, at, uh, at, at your bigger stadiums. And... It's just a way, I think, to just really, yeah, back on the grassroots, back on helping out the, the poorer clubs. It's just a way to just give them a little leg up and, and really, yeah, build something for themselves. Because I think we, uh, I yeah, as I said, jealous again, but I, I look over to the, the Premier League with, with teams with their own stadium and I just think it's just fantastic as a club to have that. So I think it's got to be investigated as we move forward in a, in this comp. So my, my club could play... We, if we've got a grandstand, everything set up at Arden Street, we can play West Coast, for example. But we couldn't play the Bombers there. Uh, yeah, look, under my system, yeah, you, you wouldn't play the Bombers there. Why is that? Just the standard, I guess, you see set by the Cats. How long has it taken them to play, uh, you know, a big Victorian club down there? It doesn't uh, often happen... Um, yeah, maybe I've, I've, I've tooted my horn on one thing about equalisation, maybe not as equal on this, but um, look, maybe you can eventually, maybe you, you set a threshold and if you can get your stadium to 2025, then you can have a Victorian club. I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking you've got to start somewhere. So, you know, you're not going to put Collingwood versus, well, Bombers, they're, they're your rivals. So Bombers v Ruse at Arden Street when it holds 10,000 when you could... Why not? Well... Oh, we've got to get to more, more people money. through the door. To make more money, I, I guess. But, but we are make, you going to make would, more money? Or do we make more at Etihad or, or here? 
that that well, will I'm be just the question. Would, if you played a Eddie had half empty, you know, with the deal that you've got there versus you play West Coast in a packed Arden Street, I think you'll make more money at the packed Arden Street. So I'm arguing for that. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, but you're really arguing money. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> Look, I am. That's what it comes down to. But I, I, I just think as well, like as a, a you know, football going experience, it is something as well. You know, we've missed out of the game. So if you can make more out of potentially a more enjoyable product for the fan, I, I you got to investigate. I that. love the idea of the boutique stadiums like that. Um, I'm certain we will never see it, but. I, I do think. Look, they're doing it with AFLW, so there's no reason why it couldn't expand a little bit further. Like, what? we play a preseason game. The yeah, Saints well, like down I, there, didn't they? I was going to say the only game I've been to this year was the Saints played the Hawks in a pracky at Moorabbin, and it, it was amazing. It was the joint was buzzing. Um, you know, it, it was packed to the, that. You know, you could fill it out then. So I think we had sort of oh, maybe eight thousand. You can correct me on that one, but it, it was an amazing atmosphere because it was maybe a, that part of it was returning to the ground, but it was just, you know, this is where our club's, you know, base, this is our home, we're playing out of it. It, it was fantastic, you know, and probably didn't, you know, probably didn't mind that it was all Saints as well and that, yeah, it, it was packed. So I'd, I'd much rather that on, on my Saturday, Sunday going to that than, you know, spread out across Big Marvel that, you know, maybe not as great an atmosphere when you you spread out like that. So, look, yeah, I'm with you. It's probably something the AFL is not really looking at, but they should be, I reckon. Yeah, uh, I think it, there's a, a high level of romance there about bringing that sort of stuff back. Uh, list flexibility. I think there should be... I think it should be a lot greater, especially through the summer. Um, like right now, I guess clubs are going through their delistings, but... They're just players they haven't offered a contract to. Who they're telling them now we're not offering you a contract rather than um, I sort of I'd love to see the trade period run and run and run. Um, I'd love for the clubs to have the ability to uh, like Lewis Jetta, for example, from the Eagles, still not signed. I'd love for clubs, you know, get through the national draft, see where you lie, and then just go. All right, we want to pay you. We'll sign you for this year. We'll pay you 150 grand. Um, and just add him to the list organically, not have to have them sort of finalised so early. Um, and I'd also love a mid. I think they need a mid-season trade period. I think the way this current one went, um, especially the last twenty-four hours, it was jam-packed. Um, I think there'd be, I think there'd be clubs who are sitting fourth or fifth on the ladder with a glaring deficiency, willing to give up their first-round pick for something. Um, and it'd allow those clubs who are down the bottom to potentially move on a star to rebuild that little bit quicker. Yeah, I fully agree with that. Um, I, I'd like to see it as well. Even you know a club that might have might be expected to be down low, overachieving, and they can you know maybe they go for it or, or they you know invest and, and really get get themselves up and about. I think it, it's the, the AFL loves the interest that a trade period generates. So you know maybe that's something they can consider if they do a mid mid season buy. I think. Uh, the AFL struggle with buys, and we'll get to that a little bit later. But I think, yeah, that I'm with you. I, I like the idea of a mid-season trade period. I think it's healthier to do that than the mid-season draft we had, which kind of robbed the Sandful, VFL, and Waffle of their talent midway through the year. Um, this is just a better, uh, fairer see, way to 
I th- I think you should be able to call those players up if you like. If you've got a ruckman that goes down. Who was the club not long ago? They had two. Was it Sydney? They'd... Yeah, it's, yeah, Naismith and um, I've forgotten his name, but yeah, they they had a couple up there. Uh, two ruckmen went down. Um, why can't they bring in the best ruckman from the lower level comp? Like give that bloke a shot at AFL level. That's the lower comps. That's what you're there for. Well, like, yeah, yeah, you're there true. to bank maybe... talent for the upper comps. I coached the thirds team. Trust me, I didn't hold on to many good players. Made it tough. Um, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I'd love to see those players be able to be brought up and play a game. Um, you know, whereas what we had was it had to be a draft. It was so silly, and clubs could only pick one. So, and because you had list sizes finalised, you had to like Richmond basically retired Sean Grigg to go and get. Marley and Pickett, like, just... Yeah, well, that's what I thought in that year. I thought we're going to see retirements earlier and earlier because they're going to retire them just in time so they can snaffle a mid... You know, if someone's wavering in round eight, then they, they'll call it and get themselves a nice mid-season pick. Yeah. But, um, look, maybe you consider that and, and the trade period. I think, you know, I like it. I like mixing it up in the middle of the year. I mean, clubs won't go... Uh, it, Remains to be seen. You'd think, unless yeah, a club's completely collapsed, maybe. But uh, you, you know, they they'll be smarter. You probably won't see as many trades as you would in the at the end of the year. But I, I just think it's another good point of interest. And I like your idea about the list flexibility. I think shutting it off and closing it off. Yeah, we we've got to have them, I guess, more fluid than they are, and and the ability to yeah, give a bloke a chance at him, maybe not. You've got right until the season's about to begin to work it out. I, I'm not sure why we're stuck in the you've got to be done by November. Maybe it's just an antiquated idea that we've had. But, yeah, I, I'm with you. I like it. So I like it, Seb. A couple of good ones there. Absolutely. Let's um, talk scheduling. Now, we've yeah. both got thoughts on this. Do you want to kick us off? No, well, uh, look, I'll, I'll let you run with this one because I know uh, you, you put this one through. So All right. what have you got? So for full, full equalisation... 18-round fixture, which is playing every team once, plus one rivalry game. So you can have a Carlton-Essendon rematch. You can have another derby, have another showdown, have another battle of the bridge, um, Q clash, depending on how far you want to take this. Um, The way I would structure it is have six six rounds, then have a mid-season trade period, potentially call it a trade deadline. so have a full buy, and then you just have 48 hours of trades and, and this and that. Have another six rounds. Then you've got your Hall of Fame weekend. Have your EJ Witten Legends game. Um, if well, you have your AFL Hall of Fame Hall of Fame night. Yep. Um, possibly tee up the AFLW Grand Final for that weekend. Like Celebrate footy, but not players can go out and have a week off. Then you have your final six, and you go straight into the finals. Um I think a week off before the grand final, if you have to have a buy around that finals period. But I hate the week off qualifying finals, week off preliminary finals, for the, for the, generally for the better clubs. Um, commercially, it may not be viable given the deals are for a 22-game fixture. Um, if that's the case, then you would still be doing... You'd have your 17. You would then be able to have five rivalry games. And look... The AFL should just about try and maximise their revenue, so they should 
try and have your Carlton Collingwood, Carlton Essen rematches and just deal with the fallout. They shouldn't. Instead of trying to dance around this six, six, and six slot on the ladder, that just doesn't work. It, it's based on last oh, yeah. year's finishing position, so That's it right. doesn't make it any fairer. Um, but I, I think in a perfect world, have your seventeen plus one extra game for just for that repeat showdown sort of thing because they are they're some great products. Yeah, this is a uh, a question without notice, but uh, you, you're talking about you know they need twenty two rounds of product. I don't know the maths off the top of my head, but, you know, if you looked at 22 games, what's that in raw game time? And then maybe would you like to see matches maybe slightly longer? That way there's the same technical amount of footy, but less no. rounds. You just no, it's long get enough. too smart there. It's long enough as is. Um, I don't like it shorter. Um, but I don't, I don't think, I think you go any longer, you start risking the players. Um, they're more prone to injury and that sort of stuff. I just don't think. Yeah, fair. No, just out, I also off reckon the, off the cuff there, viewers but... will start switching off, especially on the Friday nights where you, you currently finish about yeah. 10.30, you extend it, you finish at 11, um, and you'll lose people. Um, you start extending that. Where? How do you see the fixture? Yeah, look, I, I'm with you. I, feel, I, um, I love the 18 rounds. Um, I think it works. It, it just Playing every team once is just a great initiative, I think. I just love that you can just, you know, you had your chance versus that team and you got, you got to sit on it for another year. Um, love the 18 to round it off in that you get a rivalry. And, geez, that, I'm interested to even see what they would drum up with that, particularly for, you know, teams like us where we've probably got a few rivalries. We, You know, maybe we're not a Carlton Collingwood, but what they would do, I wouldn't mind even if they thought outside the box with that one. You know, Ruse v Essendon probably, to most fans, doesn't scream rivalry, but, geez, if you look at the history of the two clubs, you'd have one. So, um, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> there's really good scope there. 18, nice round number. You can break the season up 6-6-6. Six, six, and six. Um, I, I can't see anything wrong with it. Over a two-year period, home and away, you get both. So um, I like it. It, it. Nice round season's nice and snappy um you know you sort of get to that you know rounds 16 17 it's the depths of winter in july august and it's really if your season's no good it's a it's a really long time so i, I think we we saw this year it was it was 17 games and it flowed really well so uh flowed really well i know it was a one-off season but i, I did like seeing that it puts more um, so, urgency like you get four points yeah that's huge and if you're correct yeah if you're playing richmond you get four points against them that's huge in terms of your finishing position because you've stopped one of the top teams getting the four points and you've got them correct. pushing yourself up so that's what i like about less games it puts more urgency um as far as the finals and the how yeah, do you see so you sitting? To, to, to segue in, so I, I like the setup there. Um, I'm talk, yeah, talking finals. Leave it as it is. I actually really like in our comp that we have a top eight and an eighteen team comp. It means you've you know half half of eighteen is nine, so you've got to be better than average to make the finals, which I really like. I think our final system is fantastic with the way we structure the top eight: one v four, two v three. They're in a different league to the five v eight, seven v six. Um, really nice split. It's, yeah, back to what we've gone on about all year. It's that pre-finals buy. That's just got to go. It's a season momentum killer. Yep. Gil's Gil's favourite. I know Um, we've talked about what we could put in that week. You mentioned sort of celebrity matches and AFLW. 
that by that stage of the year, there's really nothing you could do except make fans wait. Um, yeah, we've gone on about that one. I'm thinking, yeah, restructuring the end of the season. Um, first week of the finals. Uh, so you finish the season, you have uh, straight into it. First uh, weekend, uh, first week day, you have your rising star and you're all Australian live in prime time on Channel 7 in the first week. Maybe have it on a Wednesday night. Plug it. Give it the airtime it deserves. Put it in prime time so your average fan can see it and really build that finals atmosphere. Plus, those awards are about the season, uh, the home and away. So keep it keeps it in people's minds. It keeps it fresh. Um, I'm thinking, and this might be a bit too far. I don't know how it would work logistically, but I'd actually like to see some airtime given to the best and fairests uh, of the clubs that have been knocked out. You could potentially throw them all in semi-final week, and then that's a nice little wrap-up there. And then uh, I really enjoyed this year the snappiness of the Brownlow. So I, I think it's got to move to a Sunday and it's got to be a two-hour product max. And that's just great for families, great as a product. You get through it. it it's not a night dominating thing. It doesn't drag. It keeps punchy. Um, and then you move into your grand final. And that is just an off-the-cuff idea that could just make that part of the year flow a little bit better than it does. Keep, keep the uh, eyeballs on the screen and the interest in the game. What do you think, Seb? Yeah, well, I 100% agree, read the buy. Um, that's just a waste of a week. Um, and celebrating, well, currently the Rising Stars just sort of announced. Like, yeah. Um, do a presentation on that, the All-Australian team. Um, more of a celebration of the good things that have happened through the year and the outstanding performances, I think, are key. Um, I'll put my hand up and say I'm probably not too fussed when the best of Ferris are held. Hold them yeah, no, some some will be like that. I agree. Some yeah, fair enough. Holding them before the end of the season. Um, obviously this year was a bit of an odd one, but um, oh, the Brownlow, Brownlow on the Sunday with the the shortened version, that was a big tick this year. Um, I don't know what they'll do next year because I'll have the extra rounds. Um, I hope they have the extra rounds and, and the normal sort of build up. So, I mean, the the broadcasters and the sponsors will probably want the normal three and a half hour marathon, but um. We'll see. I, I reckon it worked so well. They're going to have to consider trying to burn through it a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I, I think that could... look the games they play are really, really good. I think the work around it could just be streamlined a hell of a lot more. Um, yeah. And just throwing this one out there, the grand final can be hosted in multiple cities, but not multiple cities in a different city every year. So we've had yeah, one in so Melbourne, this, we've had one in Brisbane, this, this we've got is off Adelaide the cuff now, so, and Perth yeah. and Sydney that all deserve to host that grand final. And so you, uh, they, are you saying some sort of Olympic-style bidding per city? And no, all just, just rotate it every year. Every state. If you bloody Victorians have to have it, okay, it was in Brisbane this year, next year you can have it at the G, then we'll go to Adelaide, then we'll have it back at the G, then we'll go to Perth. And you get it every second year, Victoria. And, like, just think of the... It's a national competition, not VFL. <laughs> just move, just just have it elsewhere. Oh, maddening! Yeah, I know it is. It, it is one of yours. Now it is yours. I mean, yeah. I it, it... I um I want to move on to this is the favourite point I came up with. It's number twelve. Yeah, we're, so we're, we're burning through these. <laughs> I'm talking expansion and a bit of relocation. It's going to hit close to home to both of us. Now, so are you are you claiming this is an outside the box idea, or is this just this is 
it could be a realistic thing. Uh, I believe it's 100% realistic. I don't think they're going to do it unless they absolutely get pushed to do it. Um, but I just... I just think it would make the competition that much more national and that much more more equalised, I guess. This may not be the correct word. Um, but currently, we have, we have 10 teams in Victoria, Tom. Yeah, no, that's correct. 10. That's far yeah, too many. Well, nine out of Melbourne. Yeah, 10 in Victoria. Yeah. <laughs> So, I think, and, and this, it hurts me to say this, but you've got to get three teams out of Melbourne. So, like you said, 10 Victorian, nine in Melbourne. You've got to get three out. So, you still have, you would still have six in Melbourne. Still a hell of a lot. North Melbourne have to go to Tasmania. They've obviously started building the hub, the, the, the Tasmanian fortress. We've started expanding <laughs> down there. You've just got to move us. Um to get a team in Tasmania. I think that's really key for a national comp. I can see the Western Bulldogs going up to New South Wales, possibly the Northern Territory if you really want to expand to that point. I don't know what the market is like up there, but put an established team up in New South Wales. Um, Do you have a a region? Because, you know, there's a few areas you could could plonk it there if you look at your central coast maybe or, you know, third team in Sydney or Newcastle or... Does Canberra get a look in there? Canberra could. Like, you could go Newcastle splitting with Canberra. Um, I think you need a third team in New South Wales, just given the size of the, the size of it there. Um, and I actually, I had the Saints going to Queensland, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> which Moving. I don't know if it's ever been floated, but I just see, I just see those as the three smaller clubs in Victoria that it's easier to pick them to move. Um, no, nah, look, I look as harsh as it is, both of our teams there. I, I'd probably agree with that. Um, you probably could throw Melbourne into the mix, but I think given you know they're the oldest club and yeah, they sort just, of have I, that. As I a bit thought of an about out, it. So. It made no sense to move the team called Melbourne out of Melbourne. Yeah, that, that's, that's right. where yeah, I stumbled. So you can't with do it. that. Yeah. Um, We're on uh, Queensland for the Saints. Are you, were you thinking? You're thinking like Far North Queensland, yeah, far north. Sunshine. Just, yeah, look them up there. Um, but but once you get a team there, you can really start expanding the game up there. So I think on the back of that, also go uber aggressive and get a third team in the South Australia and WA. So you're going to end up with 20 teams. Um, those both South Australia and WA can hold us third team no problems. And yeah, you're you're certain of that. Oh, I, no I, I have no problem with a WA third team. I, how, how what about South Australia? The third team there that might be ambitious. No, they're a football state, Tom. All right, oh, all right. How is a third team there ambitious, but ten in bloody Victoria isn't? No, well, yeah, no. I, look, I'm jumping on you here, moving them, whether I'm comfortable <laughs> with harsh. it or not. I'm, I'm coming with you, but no, no. I'm just thinking um, Australian demographic size. I think um, Adelaide slipped to maybe the fifth or sixth biggest city in this country. So whether or not they can handle three, whereas Perth's up and about and they're only on three as well. Look, we could talk the demographics. I like where your head's at. Um, I like I like the idea of expanding out. I mean, is is a team in New Zealand a bridge too far for you? No. No, it's not. But I don't know what... I honestly don't know what level of interest they have in, in 
our sport. So um, I wouldn't say it's too far, but I don't think the Saints had great success travelling over there um, for their Anzac Day experiments about six years ago. Um, but that look, their ideas I have as to how to make it much more of a national competition. You'd have three teams in Queensland, New South Wales, South Australia, Western Australia. You'd have six in Victoria, one in Tasmania. Um, it would just just spread the love a little bit more, which I think would be key. And then you'd have less people clamouring for that grand final at the MCG. Um, I'd also have a lot of people hating me if that came off. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> I think yeah. Well, my dad and we, would have called. Yeah, that that's true. I can't. Oh, I mean, it's yeah. You never want to see your team move. I think yeah, as we've sort of seen with Fitzroy, any any sort of move away from your 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 roots there is going to be going to be a tough one. And I mean, yeah, even like we saw the Roos going to the Gold Coast, you know, the the fans dig in. So that whoever's CEO at the time probably won't survive doing that. I would suggest if they if they get away with that one. Um, look, I'm. I like it because that that was really big picture, really uncomfortable, and you you went big, so I like it. So I've I've done the same, and and my big idea, and this might be too big to do in probably anything under fifty years. So I'm thinking of the development of our second tier comp, um, getting you know we we talked about it um, a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, getting it up to the level where you know you could sort of have you well there's going to be 22 teams so i'm thinking big picture and can we build that second tier to the point where our game would consider a relegation style ladder uh in the second tier in that teams currently in the comp could drop down if they're not up to it and if teams are good enough they can fly up from that second tier into the top tier yes it's a foreign concept it's a bit of a soccer one but um, how much would our game benefit if, you know, you had teams in Queensland that were good enough to be in the best league, they were there. So, look, yeah, it's big picture and, it, and it's not something that could happen anytime soon, but uh, just an outside-the-box one I thought I'd throw up there, Seb. Yeah, it's difficult. I, I, love, the, I love the concept. Again, because we're so Victorian-based, it's very hard to get up currently, but... Um, look, I, I think it would certainly finally bring about a punishment for those teams that are poorly run. They would just be relegated and um, slowly fade to obscurity. Um, my concern would be if that had been around the last 20 years, my club wouldn't exist. <laughs> yeah, look, that's the argument there. I mean, um, yeah, that that's the danger. And we've seen it in the Premier League, you know, teams falling right off the cliff and into obscurity. Um Flipping it back into the positive, I mean, could you build it so that, you know, our team, for example, in the uh, VAFA, the Hampton Rovers, could jump up the rungs? I don't know how you would structure sort of teams that local, and this is why this idea is very large, but, um, yeah, do you have some sort of tier level? And, you know, maybe you could adopt some sort of style of FA Cup and teams everywhere playing. I just like the idea of your club, you know, could one day build to the big league. So, yeah, that that, that was me probably dreaming big. But, um, yeah, look, there, there's a lot to work out with that one. And, yeah, uh, I guess relegation is a frightful thing. But, yeah, to, to see, for example, you know, just to pull one out of the hat, you've got the Southport Sharks, for example, and, you know, back in the NEFL. And, and they're a really well-run club with a lot of members, you know, 
got some sort of stadium there, you know, if they built to the level where they were ahead of the Suns, <clears throat> sorry, uh, if they were ahead of the Suns, you know, should they be in the comp? Do Pretty they have mean. more merit? I think they, I yeah. think they should, so, yeah. For that, just as an example, I mean, yeah. I, yeah, keep saying it because I'm picturing the fans going, you can't be doing this. I'm just uh, just thinking big. That, so. well, that's the point. The, the things we're trying to come up with are things that you may necessarily think you can't, but why not? Like, yeah. just think, why not? Why not try it? When I say try it, why, just think about, like, the end result that could happen. Like, the short term, you move, like you relegate North to the second league. Yeah, okay, terrible, terrible, terrible. But flip it the other way and you're getting a team coming up. like a, That's what Port may have done in, you know, before yeah, they, they became a club. They've won correct. plenty. Um, Norwood from South Australia might be the other one that want to come into the big league. Yeah, they... Um, but, yeah, instead of, instead of coming at some of these with a negative mindset, think positive. Think about the, the, uh, the greater good or the, the long-term growth. I think if you have 20 teams... Um, and if you have a first and second league, there's a lot, a lot more different ways the season can play out, and it would add a a, um, a greater urgency to those last few games of the season, especially if you're in that relegation zone, Tom. Yeah, it's kind. Of, I mean, yeah, that's why it it works overseas with the soccer. That's that's just classic entertainment is surviving the drop and and things that come with it that you know financial as well. I mean, yeah. I mean, you could take this one as far as you want. I mean, imagine, you know, Fitzroy and the uh, amateurs now got their act together and somehow got themselves back into the top tier, you know. the Yeah, there's there's a lot of ways you can look at it. Um, we, we want your opinions. 12rowsback at gmail.com. Uh, we, we've gone off field this week, so, uh, yeah, feel free um, to, to cover anything that you think we've missed or anything you'd like to add. Uh I've enjoyed this one, Seb. I, I like, uh, you know, putting our heads together and just, just coming up with a few, you know, some you could do now, some are going to take a while, but a bit on the table and, and a bit to digest. Yeah, I think uh, there's 13 great little points. Uh, anyone from the AFL listening, uh, feel free to throw credit our way or not. Um, but look, tell us what you think. I'd love, I, like, I could debate this all day with people. 